Good morning. Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, please may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he turned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away just for a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Thanks, Alistair. Morning, all. It's good to see you. It'd be great if you keep that passage open, and I'm going to pray uh, for God's help to understand it. Father in heaven, we thank you for another opportunity to look at your word and what it says about the immense subject of prayer. And so, Father, as we consider this passage this morning, we pray that you wouldn't only inform our minds and help us understand things about prayer, but that you'd move our hearts to pray more freely as we align ourselves with your good and perfect will. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. As we continue our series in prayer, the question before us this morning is there on the screen. How do we pray according to God's will? Or to put it another way, how do we pray for what God wants? You see, as Christians, it's very easy to to fill our prayer life with what we need and with what we want, to come before our God with an endless list of, of requests and petitions. And of course, that's not wrong per se. Have a look at what the Apostle Paul says In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in all situations, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We're called to bring all of our concerns before the Lord in prayer. That is the right thing to do. But the question remains, how do we do that in a way that keeps all those things in happy submission to the will of God? Or to put it another way, how do we pray your will be done and really mean it? Well, to answer that question, we're going to focus in on the prayer that Jesus prays in Matthew chapter 26. The setting is the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before Jesus dies and as the cross looms all the more closely, Jesus turns to his father in prayer. And this is what he prays in verse 39. My father... If it is possible, may this cup 
be taken from me. That's the cup of God's suffering, the cup of wrath that Jesus was going to drink in our place at the cross. May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Now, of course, this is a unique prayer, prayed by a unique being at a unique moment in salvation history. And so we need to make sure that we're not too quick to make this prayer our own. This was a prayer that our Savior prayed. This was a cup that only he could drink. Yet at the same time, there are lessons to learn from this prayer that should shape the way God's people pray today. And I want to draw to your attention three of those lessons this morning. Firstly, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, and so must we. Have a look down at your Bibles again, verse 36 onwards. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Now, before we come to the more difficult question of what it looks like to pray in line with God's will, to pray according to God's will, let's make sure we don't miss what is blatantly obvious in the text. Jesus prayed. The sinless, self-sufficient Son of God prayed. And if Jesus prayed, then so must we. For we most certainly are not sinless, and we most certainly are not self-sufficient. We are needy and dependent beings. And that becomes ever so clear in the command Jesus gives his disciples in verse 41. This is his command. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, like Peter and those original disciples, our our intentions, our motives may be good, but our flesh is weak, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You see, there isn't a single Christian alive on planet Earth today who is not prone to wander. As human beings, we are, we are weak and we are frail and we are faltering. We need God's help. And we need God's grace in all of life. Not just in those moments when our circumstances push us there. But every step along the way, we need the powerful enabling of God that comes through prayer. As Martin Luther once said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. What breath is to our physical life, prayer is to our spiritual life. If Jesus prayed... If the sinless, self-sufficient Son of God prayed, then so must we. Firstly, Jesus prayed. Secondly, Jesus submitted. And this is where we come to the very heart of Jesus' prayer. As he kneels in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was submitting himself to his Father's good and perfect plans. Have a look again at verse 39. Going a little farther... He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. 
You see, Jesus in his humanity recoils from the very thought of the cross. That's what the cup refers to in verse 39. It's the cup of God's wrath. It's a cup that all, all three major prophets make reference to. Have a look at Isaiah chapter 51 verse 22. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Your God who defends his people. This is what he says. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that makes you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. Why? Why will we never drink again from the cup of God's wrath? Because Jesus came to drink it for us. That was the mission of the Christ. Jesus came into this world to take our sin upon his shoulders and carry it to the cross. And at the cross, he consumed every last drop of God's righteous anger against our sin. He drained the cup to its very dregs. And now in this critical moment, as Jesus kneels in the Garden of Gethsemane, he recoils at the sheer magnitude of what is about to happen overwhelmed and so he prays verse 39 my father if it is possible may this cup be taken from me father please if there is any other way any other way to save sinners then may it be so yet and here is the all glorious line yet not as I will but as you will. Not just a throwaway line at the end of his prayer, as it so often is for us. It's the very heart of his prayer that he would do his his father's will, that he would give himself to his father's work. That might not be explicit in the text itself, but I do think we're meant to see a contrast here with what happened in Genesis chapter 3. You see, in the Garden of Eden... Adam said, my will, my will, not yours, my way, not your way, God. Yet in an incredible contrast, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, your will, your way, God, not mine. And so the question before us this morning is a simple one. Who are we going to model our prayer life on? Are we going to follow in the, in the proud footsteps of Adam? My will not yours. Or are we going to follow in the prayerful footsteps of Jesus? Your will, Lord God, not mine. You see, when we pray, we come before the Lord of the universe and we do so to have our will aligned with his. It's not like when we pray to God, he says, oh yeah, actually I hadn't thought of that. Thank you, Wellesley, for illuminating me. Thank you for bringing something to my attention. I had a real blind spot there, Wellesley. Thank you for bringing that to me. I'm going to do things a little bit differently now. It's not how prayer works. Prayer is not about us changing God's mind. It's not about us bringing God in line with our plans. It is about bringing our plans in line with His. Now, I don't know much about cars, but apparently wheel alignment Pete Short tells me is quite important. If your wheels aren't set right, Pete, if they're pulling in different directions, it's not good for the car, right? 
And I think it's often the same in the Christian life. Very often we're pulling in a different direction to God. Two wheels not lined up, going in a different direction. But of course in the Christian life, here is the big difference. There's only one wheel that needs realigning. It's not that God needs to adjust his will a little bit and I need to adjust mine a little bit and we'll meet with our plans somewhere in the middle. No, God's will is set perfect and straight. It is good and pleasing and true. It is me and you that need to align ourselves with his good and perfect will. That's what it means to pray according to God's will. To line ourselves up with the God of heaven, our desires, our attitudes, our wants, our love, all of it to fall in line with his. That's what's going on in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is aligning his will with his father. And if Jesus prayed like that, then so must we. Let me say two things by way of application as we think about praying According to God's will this morning, morning. firstly, praying for what God wants, praying in line with God's will, is incredibly hard. don't know whether anyone's come across this prayer of commitment before on the screen. I'm sure you probably have. It's a prayer that was originally written by a guy called Richard Elaine, who was a Puritan preacher back in the 18th century. It was a prayer that was then adopted and adapted by John Wesley and became part of the Methodist Church liturgy. This is what it says. What a prayer this is. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things, all things to your pleasure and disposal. Now that is an incredibly hard prayer to pray and to really mean. Lord, if it's your will, put me to suffering. If it's your will, let me be empty. If it's your will, let me be laid aside for the cause of Christ. Whatever your purposes are for my life, whatever they are, I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your good pleasure and disposal. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it cost him everything. What it may cost us to pray that prayer and to be about the work of our Father in the years to come, I don't know. Yet pray that prayer we should, because that's exactly how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, is it not? Back in Matthew chapter 6, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, yours. All of my life lined up with yours on earth as it is in heaven. In the same way that the angels do the bidding of God perfectly in heaven, may we do the bidding of God perfectly here on earth. Whatever that means for us, 
whatever the cost, because we know that God's purposes are good. Secondly, praying for what God wants doesn't mean we can't pray for what we want. Have a look again at verse 39. Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. You see, in his humanity, Jesus didn't want to suffer. Yes, he prayed supremely that his Father's will be done, but he also prayed that God would take away his suffering. And that sets a pretty good precedent, doesn't it, for us when it comes to prayer? Because at some point we'll all suffer. Not to the same extent, of course, as Jesus. His suffering was unique. Yet we will all suffer because we all live in a sin-broken world. And the point for us, I think, is this. When those times of suffering come upon us, as they do for some in the fellowship, even today, Please know that it is right and it is good and it is proper to pray that God would take away your suffering. To do that is to follow in the prayerful footsteps of Jesus. Yet, at the same time, we need to keep that prayer in happy submission to the will of God. And if we do, then either the thorn in the flesh will be removed, either God will take away our suffering or he will give us the grace to endure it. And for Jesus, it was the latter. And that brings us to our third and final point. Jesus obeyed. Jesus did the will of his Father, strengthened by his Father's hand. Have a look again, verse 44 onwards. So Jesus left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Interesting, isn't it, that the prayer of Jesus didn't change his circumstances? The hour did not pass. The cup was not removed. The suffering that was coming upon Jesus was not taken away from him. What God did instead was give Jesus grace to endure it. Jesus obeyed the Father's will because he was strengthened by the Father's hand. That is the power of prayer in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus enters The Garden of Gethsemane on his knees, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Yet after praying, he now stands assured and strengthened in the sovereign will of God, ready to meet his betrayer. And from that moment forward, Jesus is unwavering in his commitment to the cross. Do you see how prayer works? It's not just about changing things out there in the world, our circumstances. It's about changing things in here, in our hearts. Thereof Davis says this concerning prayer. Prayer doesn't change things, interesting. But prayer lays hold of a God who can change things and who through prayer changes you. See, prayer doesn't change things. It's God who changes things. 
And in prayer, we lay hold of the almighty, sovereign creator of all things for whom nothing is impossible. And we lay hold of that God when we come before him in prayer. And he is able, yes, to change the circumstances and the situations of life, but more importantly, to change our hearts through those Situations. This is the focus of God's transforming work in this world. It is supremely in the hearts of his people. And so here's my final challenge for us this morning. Please will we be a church that prays for our hearts and each other's hearts as well as our circumstances. To pray that God would give us the grace, not only to endure the difficult, challenging times of life, but to flourish through them as we become more like Christ. I was chatting to Nigel Smith recently, as you're aware, that the Smith family have had their fair share of troubles over these last few years. And something that Nigel said stayed with me, a lesson that he said that God had been teaching him through this difficult season of life. This is what he said. What God had been teaching him was not just to pray himself out of a situation, but to pray that God would change him in that situation. Let me say that again. God has been teaching Nigel Smith not just to pray himself out of a situation, that God would remove that situation or change that situation, but even more importantly, that he and his family would be changed through that situation. And that, of course, is the promise, isn't it, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is what it looks like to pray in line with the promises of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God is working for your good. But we need to understand that our good is not always our comfort. Most importantly, it is our Christ likeness. It's what it goes on to say in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God is at work in every single situation and circumstance of life to make you more like Jesus, to conform you to the image of his son, to bring all of your life, all of my life, in line with his, and that is the greatest joy imaginable, to become like Jesus. You see, when Jesus knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, your will be done, he knew what that meant. He knew what his father's will was, yet he prayed it anyway. Why? Because he trusted in his father's good and perfect plans and so must we Jesus prayed and so should we Jesus wonderfully submitted to his father's will and so should we and Jesus obeyed he followed the father's path for his life strengthened by the grace of his loving father as we finish I'd love to leave you with one prayer that's going to come up on the screen now. It's a very simple prayer, and I do encourage you to scribble it down on your iPad, on your phone, or write it down on a bit of paper and to pray this prayer regularly in the weeks ahead. This is what it is. Whatever it takes, Lord, align the desires of my heart with yours. 
What a simple prayer that is. Whatever it takes, Lord, align the desires of my heart with yours. That's what it means. That's what it looks like to pray according to God's will. All of my life, every bit of it, brought in line with the good and perfect purposes and plans of my Father in heaven. Whatever it takes. Can we pray this this week? Whatever it takes, Lord, align the desires of my heart with yours. What a different place this world would be if we prayed that prayer more frequently. Let's pray, shall we, before we sing. Father, that's our prayer this morning. And may it be the prayer for the rest of our days that you be kind enough to do whatever it takes in our life to align the desires and the wants and the loves and the passions and the priorities of our hearts with yours. Father, we pray this simple prayer and we ask that you'd help us to keep praying this simple prayer for the good of your world and for the glory of your name. Amen. In all these things as we're speaking about, we are, we want to have prayerful hearts. We want to present these things to the Lord. Um, and so let us, let us close in prayer. Let's pray. As Jesus said to his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father God, we do pray that you would help us, Lord, to submit our wills to yours. That we would be able to echo those words. Whatever it takes, Lord, align the desires of my heart with yours. We pray, Lord, that you would help us by the power of your spirit to submit to you because we know that you are a good and loving Father who cares for us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that, to align our will with yours in everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen.